Hello and welcome to the debug log number 91. Is it all worth it? Is your game worth it? I know that sounds very bleak, and we don't mean to be depressing, but it's something you have to ask yourself. And what that really means for this episode is when you're working by yourself, or you're working on your own project with people you know, or even in a company, right? Um, sometimes projects can take a very long time. There's games that take 10 years to, you know, get off the floor and get out into the world. And during that process, when something's taking way longer than expected, you have to come to a decision point whether the thing you're making, is it worth it? Is this something that it's going to be worth it or am I just hanging on to some kind of dream? Um, so in this episode, we break it down. We talk about, first, all the different ways a game can get bogged down in development hell, as we call it. Um, from, you know, bad management to poor planning, all those things can tie into that. But then also we start talking about ways as a creator yourself that you can assess your own project and see if you're, uh, you know, on the right path and you want to keep making it because some games, they take 10 years and they're super successful. And or do you give it up and start something else? Because sometimes the easiest thing, you know, the best thing is to say no to one project and say yes to another project. So... Even though it sounds bleak, the episode isn't, and we give lots of good advice, and we talk about it and discuss the very hard process of assessing your game, and whether or not to quit and move on, or keep pushing through. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 91. Wait, are you still doing, uh, well, we've been working on a damn website. No, we haven't done Digital Dads, because we've been still doing hiatus. No. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Ryan, why do you always put stuff in I can't put in the intro? You can put that one in there. Or no, you can't. No, don't put oh, that in there. Personally. Nobody takes it as a joke anymore. It's There's just... always a joke, and then Ryan said something awesome. That's like that's like our inner circle joke. That's not public joke. You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Obino Aparo. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Ryan Kilgore. And we're back. It seems like every episode I'm like, we're back after a long time. <laughs> well, you <laughs> two are back right. after uh, a long time. You guys, time. You guys well, have been good. I, you've been still a month is a month, so I guess we're technically well, We said we're going to do one a month, and we're hopefully do more, but we've been busy, so it's been good. We're fine. Right. That's true. Even Zach got one a quarter, so. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, let's not tally up the whatever. All right, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I didn't ask you before if we did this if you had any reviews, Obina, but maybe we do. Maybe we, we don't. We'll move on. Do you? we do? the The people oh, are still nice. the people still love us. So I'm gonna read a quick review from iTunes. This is from Kel Code Stuff, who says, "Show love." To the SD, oh, okay. Show love to the SDT and QA engineer. The debug log is a great show. However, I do have a suggestion. As a software development engineering test, SDET, who doesn't work in the game industry, I would love to hear from SDETs or QA engineers in the game industry. These professions are an integral part of game development, but are heard from the least. I would appreciate it if they were able to tell their story and share experiences on your show. Thank you guys, and keep a great show. Keep the great shows coming. Uh, quick. Update. Well, not really update. We do have an episode for you then. Yeah, right? we do have an episode for you uh, where we interviewed a couple of 
engineer or QA engineers. QA. Well, did we? Well, they were, they were QA, QA managers. They were QA lead, so technically not yeah. engineers. So you do, but it. you do have access to some QA engineers. I was. I do, I do, I do. So yeah. uh, if you want to just general QA, we had an episode, episode 45, I think, was Quality QA with Will DePardo and Greg Anderson. Check that one out. But yeah, we do have access to QA engineering tests, which does have a different subset of, I guess, um, I guess actions or things they do in the day. So that's a legit concern. We can try to get an episode interview out uh, about that. But anyway, uh, thanks again for writing the review. Um, we really, really appreciate that. Uh, any of you... Any else? Anyone else out there that wants to loves what we're doing on the show? Uh, wants to support? This is a great way to support us. Is to write a quick review on iTunes, five stars, or yeah, just five stars, five stars only. Uh, again, we really, really appreciate it. We love reading them uh, and keep them coming. Awesome. Okay. Well, tonight <laughs> we are. I'm, I'm sorry. I, that came off more like. Yeah, a little, a little asshole-ish. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. I was thinking about this outline, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean nothing intended. That's fine. Um, tonight, we are going to talk about an interesting topic, a topic that hits all types of game developers from indie to AAA. Um, it initially came when we found a couple articles about this, and then we kind of fleshed out what this idea was about. But the main idea of this, and the title of this is, Are You Spending Too Much Time With Your Game? Um, <laughs> and every indie developer in there just clinched up. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you mean my seven-year MMO RPG that I'm making? No. Shoot, yes. indie and corporate. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, every every team, that's the one, like, it's like, is this taking this long? What are we doing? What's happening? Um, so we thought we'd talk about that. And um, a lot of the articles you find about this, sometimes they're financial-based, sometimes they're, like, team dynamics-based. And I thought we'd break this down in a, in a very simple way. One, we're going to go over <laughs> the common causes, or maybe let's call them symptoms, right? Of <laughs> is your game taking too long? So this is like the any kind of what are, like rehab program. First, you need to accept that there's a problem, and we'll go over these ways there could be a problem. Then we're going to go over like how to assess, you know, if that actually if those symptoms actually mean something. And then we're going to go, you know, over a couple different tips of whether you know. Because if you get to that point, you have a decision whether you want to quit your game, you know, and do something else, or whether you want to continue and refocus. So we'll talk about that. So to start this off, I thought we'd talk about at least some common reasons when we see this. When you're in a game development project from, you know, like you said, from a corporate project to your indie project, and you feel... I guess I guess the best way to start this is, like, the definition of are you taking too much time with the game if you're scared of that? <laughs> the way to assess that first is that, am I still working on this and I thought I'd finish a year ago? And if that's yes, then let's go over some common reasons why. And the first one I have in here is the most obvious, the reason why game projects go forever most of the time, um, and this uh, applies to both all the different fields, is that you have not enough time or not enough money which is time, but basically that means people, right? People for the same amount of time. Um, and this, this, this can be, you know, because of different reasons, but with, with an indie project, and this is all going to be jumbled up in here and the reasons, but for an indie project, this kind of goes into the idea of super scoping a, a project. We talked about this in our, what was that episode Being called? Being strategic about? about scope? Yep, thank you, Avina. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel a lot of the times with indie projects or with any project, you can get into the get into the habit of 
not really understanding what it actually is involved with a certain project, with a certain ideas. Um, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think that is, I, I almost think that might be the fundamental reason why projects go. Long. I'm with you hundred percent. I feel like, yeah, planning, cause planning, I don't want to jump into head, but planning, planning for scope. And I think that our episode about being strategic about scope is, I feel like it's one of our best episodes because we really break down what goes into, you know, why projects balloon. And, and, and that's kind of the, the case in point of this episode is, Projects can balloon, and you take a lo- an exorbitant amount of time on them because you don't really plan for scope, uh, and you know that that leads into like Andrew says a whole bunch of a host of other problems with like not having enough money and, and having money to spend on people or talent. So yeah, like with uh, with my project that I've been working on, I find that my like at, at the start of the project, I was like, oh no, I can totally do all of this. I know how to do all of it. I have the ability to do all of it, but I didn't plan ahead and say, oh, okay, well, I might be getting busy over here. I might be doing this. And now I can't do all of it, right? So I, I literally don't have the people to do it because I was planning on me doing it all. Right. So and I, and I sometimes like, um, I guess equate this to like, you know, when you're like, if you're really hungry uh, and you go to a restaurant and you see the menu, you're like, oh, shit, I want to order all of this. I'm going to order this, 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 and this. It's not that you know the, what you see on the menu isn't good for you, or you you won't you don't you won't enjoy it. It's just that your like your belly, your eyes are too big. What is it? Your eyes are mm-hmm. bigger than your stomach, I guess. And that's yeah. kind of what happens with games. Is like you you love the game. You have your you have the talent. Technically, you have the talent to do like Zach said. You have talents to do, to make this game to completion by yourself if you wanted to. It's just that your eyes are seeing a lot more than what's actually there. Like, there's a lot of you know, back-end setup. There's a lot of, you know, maybe you have to worry about auth tokens or, you know, security. There's, like, or, you know, hosting and, and spending money on LLC and marketing. So there's, like, like, a lot of things that you may not just see in the beginning that's lingering in the shadows of game development. And, and also, uh, just to add on to that, one thing that I've noticed is, well... In, in managing people uh, at work, there might be instances where somebody else isn't as good at something as I am, but to get something done faster, it might be easier to put them on that and then I work on something else, right? So just wisely managing the people that you do have, even if it's something that you think, oh, well, I can do a better job, but to get it done, you might have to put somebody who isn't as good as you are. And also that gives them the ability to learn. So yeah, speaking of just like, sorry to keep this going, this mm-hmm. train growing, but just like the management of people is in and of itself, like another piece you have to, mm-hmm. you know, handle, you have to gr- take a grasp on that and, and creating process to gain development is also a big piece of where time is consumed. So I don't know. Are we answering your question, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, you are. No, this is perfect. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like, and th- and that's what I think. I mean, that that's the biggest thing I think from you know, just job wise, I've seen working and stuff is that people. <laughs> there, there's different sides of a project, different sides of a thing, and a lot of the time, I mean, this this even work. I mean, it's not so. Okay, let me put it this way: it's a different reason for different scopes. So if you're in a and an indie indie side of this, that overscoping thing might happen just because you're you're two different people. One, you're a programmer that's learning and doing stuff, and one, you're this person who has all these ideas and stuff. But you're kind of like a team and within yourself, you know. So your ideas might actually outstretch what you know you can do or think you can do. So there's an unreal realistic expectation there. 
But when you move that to an actual business environment, the same thing happens. It's just moved to different people. So a lot of times you have the production side who usually has a pretty good handle of what can happen and what can't happen. But then you have like whoever it might be, whether it's corporate people, whether it's, you know, whatever kind of stakeholders you have in the process, they want certain things or they talk about certain things or as they move through a project, they want to switch certain things and they have no idea of the production process. And that's really something I've learned over the years, like over the years, it's like, oh yeah, they have no idea. That, that they, they always end up thinking something simple is really hard and something hard, like something, they think something like changing text and something is like, oh, I, we have to give you guys some warning because it's like, no, I can do that in five minutes. It's fine. Right. And then they think something like, that's not even possible. It's like Tony Stark technology. They think that it's like, we should guys be able to do that. Right. I was like, no, we can't do that. Show me an example besides a movie where you've seen that happen. <laughs> that's not possible to do that. Right. So I think that's a big deal is like just just in the first you know instance of like whether it's a corporation or it's yourself, it's like putting strengths and also putting possibilities and capabilities to a project. I, I and, got a question to that piece. Uh, sorry, Ryan, were you, did, you have, did you go? Well, yeah, just one thing I was thinking of listening to all this. There's a lot of sort of like, you know, sort of tech technical acumen, scoping, resource type, like sort of talk here too. But also just, I feel like a lot of projects just don't know what they are. Like, it, whether indie or AAA or whatever, it's like they kind of start out knowing they want to be in a space, but they really don't know what they want to be. So over time, they like, and we'll get to some of these other topics, but, you know, they start to, you know, pivot this way and that, or they kind of swim around on themselves. And it's, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of times it's not necessarily about the technical details or the resources a lot of times it can just be about like, what the hell do you want to do? What's your goal? Can you pin that down? And you know, if if you deviate from that, and knowing you deviate from that, correct your course. Right. You know what I mean? It's like because I think that's where the I think that's where it gets the muddiest is that you know you can you know well in AAA some things you can throw money at it all day, but if you're burning it over time, just like moving from idea to idea, then that's never going to work. Or if you're an indie, if you don't have an idea of what your core gameplay concept and goal is and stick to it, you're just going to continuously, you know, piss away resources and time on just trying to like sort of iterate over things. And that's kind of the point I was going to, not the point, but something I was going to mention when, before you spoke is, you know, Andrew was talking about the having resources that are capable of understanding maybe a, a certain area of game development. Uh, but for like co- corporations that do have, like you said, money to throw at things that have, you know, people with domain expertise on maybe production, engineering, art, et cetera, et cetera, or, you know, running a studio even like how how do we explain where they get in that same you know, that same trap of, you know, spending too much time on their game. And I think Ryan kind of touched on maybe this possible or potential answer is that they just don't know what it is they want at the time. Yeah, so. that's the number one problem. Absolutely right. I agree with you completely. Right. That is the thing is most of those stakeholders have no idea what they want. Right. They have a feeling and they don't actually know what that means in real life. Right. So Right. And. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and like that—that that feeling of kind of like what they know, what they want is kind of almost, or not. Well, sorry, they have this feeling of kind of what they want, and that starts generating this sort of time sink of like, 
well, this game did this, and this game did that. And, I, and again, this isn't AAA or indie. This could be anybody. It's like you start all of a sudden pulling ideas from this place and that, and right. you never really step back and analyze, like, what am I? Like, what am I going for here? And um, I think that's a very valuable thing to do up front is, like, what am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to make? You know, for better or worse, like, let me try to just get this one thing right. 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 This, yeah, I mean... I feel like we're going to touch on a lot of this later, yeah, so I'll, I'll hold off. <laughs> yeah, we'll hit, yeah, we'll hit this up because cool. this will yeah. be part of the actionable items later. But yeah, so as I'm looking at this list I made that I'm really realizing that it can be split into two things. One's like management of a project, whether that's personally or, you know, or uh, individually, or sorry, personally or like as a corporation, or then it goes into just other things, um, like psychological ones. But so if we said scope and not enough money to people problem, is a management problem. There's a couple more in here, like two or three more in here that I want to talk about. One is related to that failed planning, but also failed execution, which means like just general miscommunication. That's that happens all the time when you're actually trying to make something and there's not a good feedback mechanism in place and people aren't seeing work and then time gets wasted and stuff takes on and then you have to redo stuff. Um, that's a common thing. I mean, I don't, that, that's so much an obvious thing that happens that I don't know how much, if you guys want to talk about it any, but, um, you know, it's, it's a common thing. Yeah. I almost feel like this is, it almost goes, sometimes it goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, um, it happens. Just not, not knowing what you want. Like that miscommunication is like, Oh, this is what I thought I want. It's not what I want. Or I I may have prototyped something, but it's not exactly, doesn't feel right. So you have to rework that. So, you know, there's a lot of back and forth with, yeah, it comes from it comes from that idea that like I moving from different corporate environments and other places I've been and just it, it's amazing to me how like many times decisions are never made. This is my big thing is like a lot of times in just companies, this just happens everywhere, not just game development. Decisions are never made. They're evolved. Right. Just things right. just. All right. Let's just do that. And then we'll evolve into this. And nothing's ever designed. A solution is not perfected. It's just. I don't know. Let's just do that. That's fine. And things just happen. Like, hold on, who made that decision? What happened? And you just don't know what's happening. And that's when, in game development, it's 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 particularly weird. And we'll get into this later on when we're talking about how you reassess your project. But it is. It's just like again, I'll make my comparison to the movie industry because it's very apt. It's it's art and commerce, right? right? It's a balance of art and commerce, and it's a weird thing. If you're just making widgets, right? You can make that widget, make the specs, make the widget, done. But when you're trying to make like it behooves people to actually make something like the, the the best movie and the best game would be both a critical success and a financial success, right? Because they both drive each other. Critical su- success would drive a financial success, and vice versa. You know what I mean? They would that would be, it wouldn't just, if they just had a financial success, it would die and wouldn't be its cold favorite. That is it. But if it was also a critical critical success over time, it'd get word of mouth. It'd get even bigger. You know, more people buy it on. Blu-ray, they buy it, you know, like, it'd be this huge thing, and they, it'd be this big thing they can make reboots of like, 20 years later. It's a big thing. Um, so that's that's the problem you have in this in that, in that this industry, and then with, again, any kind of creative business industries that you're always trying to forge that balance, and when you're trying to make an art decision in a business world, it's really weird, and people don't understand that, they don't know what they want. So that miscommunication's a big thing. Those are like as far as the management of the project goes. So let's talk about even even in a corporate sense, the planning of this project. I have 
three things here that I want to talk about. D, E, and F in our, in our outline that are like that sometimes can happen from like a team planning or just as you as a person complaining. The first one, Zach and I talk about this all the time, is analysis paralysis, right? We could do a whole episode of this, by the way. <laughs> like when you're planning a project, right? This this could be this is kind of defined as the ideas that you're trying to make some perfect idea or perfect game or you're you're taking too many references in, you're doing too much stuff and you're really going all out. And if an indie project, okay, it doesn't matter. We're not even going to say it doesn't matter if the indie project because this is all about you taking too much time. You say you want to make this game. If you spend three years planning it, that's a problem, right? <laughs> and that can happen from you just going over, like, I don't know. It's not perfect in my head, so I haven't started even coding yet. Right. That's a problem. See, it, it almost goes back to what you were mentioning about not knowing what you want. And it feels like this, right. is, the, the other, uh, this is the other end of the spectrum where you try to – pinpoint exactly what you want and have it all down on paper or on whatever you're using before ever starting it it's like this is what needs to happen before i can begin uh and that's like the complete opposite of where you kind of you need to find a sweet spot between you know overanalyzing and uh i don't know what and just starting just Just gotta get dirty prototyping i mean and the problem with actually when you're a corporation real quick ryan i'm sorry like that no it's fine fine. when you're a corporation if you have a team of designers that are just taking their time, you have a whole team. What did we say before? It's like $15,000 a month for every developer on the team. They're just sitting there twiddling their <laughs> thumbs. Like, I don't know what to make yet. What's happening? We don't have anything to do. And that becomes a problem. Yeah, and, and this is some stuff that has driven me nuts in the past. Even just like with a single engineer and a feature sometimes. It's like, you know, they're they're like aiming for this like ideal, this perfect. And they still... But they haven't even started anything. They haven't tried anything. It's like, no, it may not be perfect, but just go with your gut or go with your best guess at first. You know, you don't have to lay it all out on paper. I don't know what school taught you, but it's like, you know, yeah, think about it. Definitely think about it, but then just do something. Don't sit around and like, well, I could do it this way, and this memory would do this, or this processing would... You know, it's like, no, don't worry about it. Just get it to work and see how it functions in that environment, or see if it's what you even want. Because, you know, regardless of what your metrics are for using it or not, once you implement it, you'll actually know. And then you can say, toss it, it's inefficient, or toss it, I don't even like it, you know. But then at least you'll know. And, so. and that's, so, the, that's the point of prototypes, right, is that, that right. that's what should cure analysis paralysis. You're like, no, make a hypothesis, test it. Try it. Right, yeah. Yeah. So would you guys, you guys would make a hard recommendation for people who are like, um, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to in, increase or incur extra time spent on their game by... Uh, trying something and having to refactor trying it and having to do again and so what, what kind of what we mentioned at the, at the start of the show is like having to redo a lot of work is what spends a lot of time uh you would say a hard recommendation is to just think about it for you know x amount of days or hours and then depending on the feature and then just do a, a prototype of it i would i guess i'd have to say yes to that because i mean listen you, you have to take your context at the time, you know, what the target is, what the project is, and just, you know, make your educated guess and try it. You know, will you waste some time maybe making a prototype? Yeah, but I mean, what's the other end of that? You keep writing it down on paper and philosophizing on it, and then you, where at what point do you actually put, like, you know, steel to grindstone and try to see if this thing actually makes something? You know, it's like... 
I don't. But, but that's me. Like I'm What's more that of a fear hacker. failure I, kind of idea. It's like yeah, you it's like a fear failure. Fear. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know. But at some point, you just have to say, "Hey, listen. Here's what we're doing. Here's what seems to make the most sense." Based off the brain trust we have, let's just move forward with this. If it falls on its face, great. You know you gave that effort. Now you can react right. and, I, and, I, and then and make something different. Let me let me say something real quick before you go, Bina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also agree with Ryan. I think at, at some point you actually do have to just get your hands dirty and start going in there and making something. But you also have to know when to call it like that, that particular piece or that prototype done or a failure. Right, so I've been working on this project where I'm trying to make the perfect uh, procedural generation system, and I got it to where it, it it does make what I want, and it's not maybe not be the most efficient way it possibly can do it, and it works great, but it doesn't do it's not the perfect one that I wanted to make, but I just need to stop and move on to a new feature. Now. Well, and that's a good point. Well, real, you know, Craig, Zach, that to add on to that is that. As a, if you're a solo bootstrap dev and you're doing this and we're talking to programmers and stuff out there and you're trying to put together your game, a lot of this time, if you have a team, if you're like a management team and you're putting, the analysis paralysis comes from fear and not knowing what you want and kind of make money. Is this thing successful? Like looking at the Steam Spy, unfortunately no more Steam Spy is dead. Oh yeah, true. But um, (laughs) that type of stuff and really kind of doing that. But from a solo dev or a small team, like even Zach and I, when we're talking about our game, it's like, oh, we have this idea. Could we do that? So you have a bunch of things you're juggling that you don't even know if are possible yet. And that's the case of just try it and see if you can do that. And then you move on to the next one. And then you know, it's a known quantity at that point. Then you can kind of juggle Right. I almost I almost equate this to like how I I operate as an engineer. Like when I have when I'm given a task, I I can't sit and ponder it forever. So I have to like start working on it. And nine times out of ten, the solution I come up with because I'm not a I'm not a, a Ryan type programmer. I'm just kidding. But like is not a hundred. It's not going to work a hundred percent of the time. Like some like more often than not, the first solution I do is not. It doesn't compile and run immediately. Or exactly how I want. So I usually have to massage it and iterate on it a couple of times before it gets right. And I think that's almost the case where you can say, or like you apply that to game development and design in general for a particular feature is the first iteration is probably not your gonna. It's probably not gonna be your end all be all and, and be the final version of that feature in in the end end result of your game. So. So it's best to like get started, get with what you know, get started with what you know. Like um, Ryan was saying, with the brain trust that you have, get started with that, and then iterate on that if necessary. Which probably more often than not will be necessary to do more than just the first iteration. So, absolutely, um, you're 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 gonna fail like right. <laughs> the well, that's first the time. Whole point of programming, you know, you're gonna fail, it, right? and yeah. yeah, sandbox it. And but once you find your imperfection, that's now a new target point. Right. It's like, oh, I know this isn't what I want. I know this isn't how I want this. And knowing what you don't want is as valuable as philosophizing on what you want. Maybe even more so. Right. So I, I had that. I told you I had the conversation before we started the show about my mom watching Deadpool and stuff. That's a different. But I have a different <laughs> stories. Like when I last time we were, I was with her during. Christmas holidays, whatever, and I was talking to her about programming because my parents, uh, the reason I don't know where this came from because they're both not math people, they're all arts. You know, my dad's a photographer, my mom was an art teacher, so they're not, <laughs> this came from nowhere in me. And, but I was just talking to her about, I was like, yeah, she was asking me about like programming or just, I was like, yeah, it's really just making, you know, 99 mistakes and just pounding your head into the wall, and then it actually works in the end. She's like, oh, really? 
that's weird. <laughs> I was like, like why would you sign up for that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's really what it is, though. It's not like programming to find this thing. It's like, it's it's finding the wall you need to bash your head into, right? It's like, right. oh, that's right. the wall I need to bash, and then this will be worthy. And at the end of the afternoon, I'm going to get it. <laughs> it's going to be fine, yeah. and I'll find it, you know. And the sooner you find the right wall to bash your head into is the, the, <laughs> it's like the, the more or you're wasting less time on your game, right. honestly. It's like, you know, the minute you can establish those parameters, it's like, oh, it's taking too long, you know. And again, if it's the analysis paralysis or just, you know, you're not moving on something, just hit your head against the wall. If that's not the right wall, walk down to the next one and hit your head against that. And Oof, eventually you'll find very... it. Or you'll knock yourself out. <laughs> exactly. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that happens sometimes. Maybe in a game you knock yourself out and like, maybe this isn't the game I should be making. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So let's get to the other two things that are related to this. So I think you have analysis paralysis and from a management team or just as you're, you know, an independent game developer and you're like, yeah, I'll do this. But what if I added this? That would, hold on, that could change it. And I think a natural extension of this is another big problem, which could be another whole episode, which is feature creep, right? Which is oh, yeah. adding features to a game or adding features to any product, to anything as you go and not, and because that, that, this is, I'll get into this as we go into why we assess it and we can talk about the solution of this. But just in general, we understand feature creep means just adding features and that you understandably, that means you add time because you're adding features into a thing, a train that's already moving and you're trying to add wings and other cars and other things to this train. And you're like, hold on, we have to stop this train first to add those things. It just naturally adds time. And I think that's a natural extension of that. Right. Um, this and this then one can I, be, go ahead, go ahead. sorry. I uh, know if you were if you're gonna bundle, go ahead and bundle. <laughs> no, I was just gonna move on. But if you have something about feature creep, go ahead. Oh yeah, just sort of something quick thing uh, for feature creep because it could be really scary with feature creep, especially when you relate it to like prototyping. Uh, so in Zach's case, or not Zach's case, but Zach's example about like prototyping some procedural generation thing and not finding that perfect solution. Sometimes in prototyping, you can get caught with the feature creep bug as well and you're like oh you know this is not quite what i want from the prototype but what if i added this and what if i added this maybe it'll be right and you just keep adding things to your prototype and then you you balloon this prototype into something that also is that it's not really good going to be good for your game in the end result and it's also good not good for your prototype so it's like for prototyping i think this we kind of mentioned this in our prototype episode as well but in prototyping you kind of want to just keep things to very modular pieces and not get caught with this feature creep bug especially in a prototype phase because that can just really balloon your time and and be a complete not complete waste but can be a waste right yeah that that it can it just gets to be like that's what i'm saying i want to talking about this in this sense is like in just in this section of this conversation is that we understand that it just adds time right we know it does, and then also with the prototypes, it just wastes time because you're adding more, more, more variables to the problem. You're like, hold on, I don't even know what's happening now. Like, and then it's just adding more things, and it just naturally adds stuff. And I think the the natural progression from, all right, there's now paralysis. What do we do? We're stuck. Shit, let's add a feature. Let's add some more features. Cool. And then you get to the point where you're like, this all sucks. Let's pivot, right? Let's make this was an RPG. Let's make this just a, like some kind of puzzle game. Like that sounds better, and that's always the over pit. Again, I'm a super fan of pivoting. I I am, I might be more than any of you. You guys know this. You've all worked with me. I am a fan of just going, fuck all this. Let's move this. Let's move on. Let's make something else. I I love it. I am a number one fan because I know when it, when something's dead, I will drop it and let's move on. 
but if you're using that as a crutch, if you you have to analyze why that's happening, right? And if you're doing it because you're like, oh, this is a mess. Let's just pivot. I was like, well, because it's a mess, you made it a mess because of other reasons. There was a good idea there, and you made it a mess. You don't need to change the idea yet. Let's exactly. just cr- take away stuff. So I think a lot of times people get in that position, and they start, especially, I think, more. This like, Again, this happens in India, and it happens in the corporate it environments really does, where people go, let's pivot. This this doesn't suck. This seems new. Let's fun. Let's do this now, right? Right. Yeah. Definitely happened to us, and, and, and I feel like you, meant, you, put, you hit the, I guess, nail on the head with that about, like, it's not that you – the feature that you had or the the game that you had or the concept that you had was bad it's just you've done something to that concept to you know break the the i guess the sparkle or the whatever you saw that was there uh with some iteration so it's not i feel like over pivoting is definitely something that happens when you kind of break an idea by doing something else it's not that your idea was bad so i feel like sometimes just you shouldn't just drop it or or move on to something else. It should you should reassess why it got to the point where it did and what pieces of that broke it and what pieces of that were are like really good. If that makes sense. Right. It's almost like if it's a political situation. I don't want to get political. I'll just be vague about this. It's almost like if you have a bill and you hate it and one side loves it, one side hates it, and the other the side that hates it tears everything out of it just to pass it. So they'll say, mm-hmm. okay, fine, we'll pass it. And then once it gets passed. They bitch about it. It's like, this thing sucks. It's like, I know because you made it suck. And then they right. just want to dump it all together. It's like, well, hold on. It, the initial thing was a good idea. And now we're just dumping everything because right. it's, it's a different. And, and that, but that could happen in a, you know, an actual big studio environment. You could have politics like that doing that exact same yeah. thing. Sabotaging, no, you're, you're, you know, features and stuff. You're right. Or, or the project goes on for so long, you just find yourself getting new ideas and influences from other places and it, like you said, it contributes to this over-pivoting where it's like, you know, you think you get your thing lined up for a second and then it just takes a little too long and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this game did this and then this game did that and all of a sudden, you know, you're just starting to become this catch-all or slightly tweaking things and it's almost one of those like, well, yeah, I kind of just moved it a degree to the right, but now we're shooting for the moon, so that means I completely missed, you know? Right. So, I don't know, so. Yeah. So I think those are like I think the analysis of paralysis to feature creep over pivoting is really interesting progression from those. Um, the other two I have on here they kind of tie into scope a little more. It's like not enough effort. These I think this ties. I mean that can tie to a team and where like Zach talked about assessing a team and what's happening and you know actually paring down your team if necessary and hiring different people. Um, and but really to the the next one the too busy that applies to independent projects where you're just like well I want to do this but everybody's too busy or that's a realistic concern <laughs> I think everybody if you guys are doing this we all have day jobs and you're trying to do something for the three hours a night you have before you need to try to get some decent sleep before you get to bed you know um, but I think those two I mean everybody understands that that's that's a I think that everybody might be listening to this actually understands. But I think all of these things what we talked about, from scoping to not enough people or money, not enough bad planning, analysis paralysis, feature creep over pivoting, too busy, not enough effort, they all end up with this one thing. And the, this is the problem you have. This is the question. It'll, it'll kind of pivot on this question, if you will. We get into the question of whether this idea of this project is valid or if it, we're kind of falling into this sunk cost bias. Right, and the sunk cost bias. Have we talked about this before? I don't know if we have. I'm, the sunk cost, but yeah, yeah, the sunk cost bias is this thing where 
people have this initial bias that happens in gambling. You know, it happens in stock market. It happens in anything in business where the amount of effort you put into something kind of in your mind or even amount of money, resources, whatever it is, effort, that's another resource. You go, oh, I put all this stuff into it. It's got to be, we got to finish it. But that's not always the case because it might be a bad idea, right? But we want to finish, like, because we don't, we're all writing our own self-narrative. This is going to get personal. Every moment of our lives, we're all writing this self-narrative for us, right? And you're like, I'm this person. I'm learning these, like, things have to mean something. And I'm doing this. And you, nobody wants to go, really, I think that ties into that. Nobody wants to get to a decision where they're like, this is all a waste. Or they, right. they feel, I don't think anything is a waste. That's how I feel. But I think at that moment, they're like, if we say we're going to quit this project, we spent a million dollars on this. In a corporate sense, one, you get fired. In a smaller sense, we don't spend a million dollars. But I said I've spent three years of my life planning this you know, RPG game. And I'm like, I, but I've worked on it for so long. I've done so much work. But maybe it's not the right thing. So that's the sun cost bias. You have a bias not to quit something you've spent, you've dedicated yourself to, you know. Um, have you guys seen that in, the, in, the, in your work experience? Or Have I seen the sun recently? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's really, in the corporate thing, it's a bigger deal, I think, sometimes. I don't know. I think, again, this is both personally, because I think personally you can have a real connection to projects yeah. that need to die. Maybe. I don't know. For sure. Like you said, in corporate, I feel like, I mean, that's why you see like a lot of studios maybe shut down by like parent, their parent studios. It's just, that's what happens. Like sometimes the students are like, yep. I don't think it's worth it. You know, you may have created this game, but we don't we don't see, you know, any value coming out of it. So we're going to end the project. Or uh, personally, you know, I've seen this happen with myself and it's projects I've worked on. It's like, uh, well, actually, in my case, I usually just keep going. <laughs> I'm like, I just got to finish this. Well, we'll get to f- that. That might not be some cost bias, though. That might be just this is the plan. So we'll right. get to that. Yeah. Right. But that ha- that does happen when it happened again. I, I, dude, I'm a big movie fan, so I'm gonna make all these movie comparisons all the time. But the movie movies do this. They're like, well, what if Justice League came out? Right? I don't. I should do the math on this because this is probably correct. Sometimes they spend a lot of money. They spend two hundred million dollars making a movie, and they're like, this sucks. <laughs> we need to reshoot all this movie, and they'll spend another hundred million, right? Because mm. of some cost. They're like, well, this is too much, and it's culturally people are gonna expect stuff. Then they put it out and it opens the thirty million dollars. They might not even make back the way they initially spent on it, and they spent more to make try to make it better because of sunk cost bias. And if they had just canned it, right. they'd have had more money. <laughs> you know, it'd have been more successful. and They could have moved on. So that's the kind of thing. It's like we put too much into this. This got to be. This has got to work. And I don't. You know, it doesn't always work that way. Right. And we'll get to we'll get to successful stories. This is the negative part of the show. Let's end on that. I like how the Venus <laughs> just depressed now. All right. Now we'll move on to the actual actionable advice of this show. Um, the first step is this is uh, if, if you got to this point in this, you know, we've gone through the symptoms and how this can happen. If you're like, if you're not, if you're feeling like a Venus feeling right now, you can look at your project and these, these are going to be ways to how you can assess this and how you can go. And am I in development hell or is this everything's fine? Everything is planned. This is how it should work. Because like I said, there's a lot of projects that, you know, wither on the vine for years. But in the indie, indie okay. sense... There's... It's not just me. All right, Andrew. <laughs> Pause what? time. Yeah, no, I couldn't hear him either. <laughs> I was like, uh... 
Can you not hear me? No, we couldn't hear you at all. All right. <laughs> I could hear somebody touching their mic. I was like, what? I barely uh, even hear, heard what you started saying. Where, where did I stop? Shit. I can't even remember. You were just starting the the real shit. Positive. Yeah, you yeah. literally just said, let's go into the uh, the actionable okay. items. Yeah. Can you hear me now, then? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you're fine it's now. It's... Zincast, I mean... Discord might have messed up. Yeah, I wouldn't time, stop Zencaster. Yeah, no, no, no. No, right Zencaster's fine. Discord no, no. might have messed up for yeah. a second. Get down. Making so much noise, buddy. Can right, you hear I'll the dog? Is he Sorry. No, I can't hear the dog at all. Okay, cool. Fart dog! Fart. All right. I'll do the positive thing. Okay. All right. Let's go into the positive part of this because this has all been negative. So <laughs> let's talk about, like, if you've listened to all those past examples and you feel like, you know... You know, I, I this, one of that one of those things applies to me or my team or whatever. Let's talk about because th- this is the this is the real question at this point is whether are you wasting your time or are you not? Because sometimes there have been examples again of game projects just failing and withering and getting canceled and nothing happens and that that they should have canceled it. Or there's ones that a lot of the indie devs. You know, we talked about. I think I saw the Limbo. That game took like six years. They're like a black and white platformer took six years to make. <laughs> the Witness, or like Jonathan Blow, he made Braid. It took three years. It took, the Witness took seven years. You know, any other studio might have made that faster, but that was his thing. He wanted to make the puzzles, and it was successful. So you just never. This that's the that's that's the thing that haunts most developers and most teams. It's like, well, could this work? Could this be this thing? So. The, the first thing, let's talk about ways you can assess whether you should quit or not. And the biggest thing, and this is what you've been hitting on all night, Obina, is that you got to go back to your original goals for the project. And we talked about this in our scope episode. So when you, have a, when you have a game project, it's like, what are you doing? What is happening? What are you trying to do with this, right? What are, like, you know, what are you trying to get out of this project? What, the, the, the number one solution, I think, for any meeting, any project in the world is you ask yourself, what problem are we solving like you want to make a rpg i keep saying rpg if you want to make whatever it is you know i want to make this platformer that does this and this and this and i want to make it this is i want to see if this works and you see that your feature list is out the roof you can understand that that's a different issue um so what do you so abina what do you think more like when you talk about like the the goals of the project do you think that's something that can help at this stage uh, assess where you are or do you think that that's something that could evolve over time this one's a touchy one uh i think i don't know i think um because you were talking i don't know if i just answer your question at all but i'm just gonna ramble uh but you were talking about like the (laughs) you were talking about the sunk cost bias and i feel like this is kind of what happens like when as any developers especially uh when you start to feel like your your motivation is waning like midway through a project and Oh, yeah, I definitely don't think this answers your question. But midway through your project, you're like, I'm like lack motivation to continue work on this project, um, and you just stop. And I don't know if that's the person or the developer realizing that, hey, maybe this is a sunk cost. Let me just cancel where I am, and then right. maybe pick up later or start a new project or gain some more skills. Maybe find people that I can work with. You know, like, and and you know, like we as a organization you know, quote unquote, the debug lab or log, we recommend people to continue and finish a game, finish their damn game. But, but like, where, where's our, where's our stance on, on like situations like 
this, where you, where it is potentially a sunk cost, or maybe motivation is just waning, and you need to continue. So this is like a question I'm, I wrestle with as well. It's like, when is it sunk cost, and when is it? Just get your shit together and continue working. Well, that's what I think. This the the, the these couple of questions kind of tie into that because, one, I where I stand is like, like quit the fucking game if you want to. Like, like right. I this is why this is the why I put these forward is to assess this because it's like you have to go back into what got you excited about the game in the first place. If you're going down this road and you like literally you've gone down this feature creep and where what turned into what was this fun puzzler, you know, minimalist puzzler is this weird first person shooter. Like, hold on, what am I doing? I don't want to do this. I don't, this is not what I want to do. So, I mean, there, there's different areas of quitting your game or just pivoting, but I think at least just getting back to at least, like we said in the scope episode, just writing down what 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 is the main. Zach and I talk about this all the time. Like mm-hmm. and this isn't a normal. This is, I'm sorry. This isn't a unnormal thing in game development because I've heard a lot of game developers from big studios, corporate studios, talk about this blizzard not, pillars of your game. What are the pillars of your game, right? Right. And if these things aren't, if if you're still hitting these pillars of your game. So here, here's the two situations. One, it's like you're you're straying. What you want to know at this point is, are you straying? Or are you on course? And the time might be a different issue because if I'm straying, if, if it's taking a long time because I'm straying, that's one thing. But if it if I if I check my game design and check what we're doing and it's all on point and we're doing what we said we wanted to do, but I just don't have enough resources, so it just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Okay. Actually, I, I got a question you know, for that one. So, so, so assume the a project is is staying on course, and your your game design is pretty much what you envisioned in the beginning, minus the modifications as you evolved it and made it a little better to, in your eyes. You you know there comes a point where maybe another game similar to yours, uh, maybe does things similar to your game, uh, or, happens and all maybe the time. Lack, I know. yeah, and, and lacks some features <laughs> even. Like what, like still is there is there a point where you, you are you still saying like suggesting that developers continue on even if a game comes and does the same thing that yours does uh, just different art style different direction different you know pr- production leader or you know producer like how, when do you like how would you make that decision i guess if, if your original goals are still on track you didn't stray you're just behind well it's not just yeah and it's not well well you go by just the goal so sorry like so uh, pillars might be game design goals when i say goals what i mean is what do you personally want out of this oh, game, right? right. right? So it's like, so if it's hitting, so what you're saying, if it's hitting all the pillars and like, this is what we want, you know, we're making this 100 people drop onto an island game. It's going to be great. You know, they're going to get there and they're going to find guns. They're gonna, there's going to be like a circle and it's going to close in. <laughs> and you're making that and PUBG comes out or Fortnite or whatever. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so then you go back to why am I making this game? What problem am I solving for myself? And that, and I mean that in a personal sense. I mean this doesn't, in a corporate sense, this matters too. But it maybe maybe let's talk about intention. Let's use that right. word instead of saying right. what what the goal. Is. What is the intention of this? Right. And <laughs> Zach and I've also talked about this. It's a problem with a lot of corporations that intention is not. There's no intention, so things fall apart. But if we mm-hmm. have an intention, like one, yeah, it's to make money. We want to make money. Everybody wants to do this for a living. But right. if you're an indie dev, that might not be the case. You might just want to make this thing. So it's kind of a balance of that art and commerce. It's like, well, no. Yeah, there's things like this. But this thing, I think, is it's it's important artistically for me to put this out. And that's what I want to do. And it right. could. I, I well, understand that I can make not make money. 
With a company, it's a little different because their whole point is to make, make money. money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, honestly, with the PUBG Fortnite example, it's more like, well, just play to your strengths and try to be a little different and try to steal the the community. Right. Because I mean, that's kind of what happened. Right. Is like, hey, yeah, you know, this is obviously a proven game mode. Gameplay is not copyrightable. So hey, guess what? We can do the same thing and play to our strengths of our art design and maybe you know a little crazier gameplay and you know hey structure building great throw that in there we already had it so let's just basically kind of throw it you throw it into the mix and you can get something new there and it but doesn't works, that so doesn't that like kind of lead us to the same trap of spending too much or could it possibly can it possibly more often than not i think it will kind of lead us to this trap of spending too much time on our games because then we're like oh De- depends like if you're epic games no it's fine because you've already got 90 percent of it there and you can say i just need to steal the gameplay style extrapolate on that fortnite wasn't doing shit like, until they got the Battle Royale mode, and now it is gangbusters. And all they had to do there was essentially mod what they already had. So maybe that's, like, identifying, like, hey, that's the spice we needed to put on this. Let's just take that, For essentially. Sure. I, so I, I think I, it's I, yeah. definitely... I feel like it's definitely easier, easier done for corporations that have millions of dollars and resources to throw at something like this but when you're an indie developer and you've been working on this game for three years and say a, a PUBG does come out that does the same thing that yours is doing like how do you compete especially uh, and this may be a conversation for another time uh, but compete with something like that is that something where you say okay I can't compete with this or just something you say okay I do have pixel art versus you know realistic PUBG art should well, I continue? Well, you know, honestly, I feel like that, you know, if you see something like that, you need to find some... And this, this is easier said than done, right? So you need to find, you know, whatever your special mix is. Because, I mean, PUBGs are iterations on, like, H1Z1s on survival games. You know, we kind of went into this before. It's like, there's an evolution there that finally hits this breaking point. And then maybe do you, you know... Do you iterate on that and find the next big thing, or is it just you slightly like say, "Hey, here's our style of play. You know, let's just make a variant on this, and you know, try to basically, um, in, you know, uh, make some money off of it." I don't know. Also, so. is it important for you to compete with them? So, right, like like Angie was saying, well, like, that's a different question, but it's yeah. not because like. So say you're making this game and this other company comes out with a game that's very similar and they release before you, they beat you to the market. It, does that just mean, okay, well, I, I'm done. I What I did is completely useless. Or like it goes back to what Andrew was saying with the like the difference between like the uh, the art of the game, not necessarily art of the game, but like your the creation of that game and the effort you took into creating that game in that... Uh, creative ownership you have over it is does that make that completely worthless to anybody no it makes it i mean it, it still has value so just because somebody beats you to the market makes way more money than you oh well you still have this value and oh i created this this thing but if that's not important to you then yeah just and you don't mind giving yes that, right? but you need to find your place in the market well, or else wait, but, you, you but are you're, just wasting you're saying your time. the market but Maybe Depends, wasting your time. Yes, is 10 but, pe- because if you want to make money off of something, yeah, yeah. you're not just going to say, oh, here's my artistic vision, and you put out a PUBG clone with Arma assets, you're going to fucking right. fail. Well, but, but hold on. But that, that, that's that, saying making money off of it. I'm, I'm saying 
like, well, what are you doing then? Are you just putting it out there for artistic that's reasons? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's so what, like, that's like releasing well, something that yeah. has no. Well, no but that's but I, I realized that, but that that was the the exact point I was making is so, yeah. I want to release this to show what I can create and something that I made, and even though it's not, maybe I will I will refrain from saying it's not as good as this thing, but maybe it, it didn't get out fast enough, right. like. But I still made this. I still had this. I still have those those you know hundred thousand players who love my game. That still has well, a value. Well, but see, to that's it. the thing. You're not going to have that 100,000 right. players because somebody's already done that better you than have you. Like 10 or and something. what I'm saying <laughs> is find your niche. Is like, yeah, you can still have that idea a la Fortnite. Just find your own niche. And, and again, that's a big, you know, a big publisher, but then you've got like Boss Key trying to do it too, but they're trying to find their own like area it's in a, it. You know, like they're trying to make it a little more 80s sort of ridiculous type of thing whereas Fortnite's a little more cartoony and building and PUBG's more like gritty and um, militaristic right. it's like you need to find your own space right. for that so, like you can't just like release it and be like oh well this is mine and it, you know great it's like well you can do that if you want but don't expect to get a lot of money or player base because there's a bunch of other people going to take that from you yeah what were you right. saying Andrew well that's what I was saying and that's what we're talking about that's what Zach was saying is that Right. What 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 I'm saying from the intentions of this is that because yes, absolutely from a business standpoint, they're not fucking thinking about artistic value of this. They, I mean, the 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 creators there want to do that because they know that that matters as an engine for commerce, right? But from a development, like I think I I probably I mean I don't know. We have a lot of people at studios listen to us, but a lot of, I think a lot of people are independent developers, and they're. There is a point when you're making stuff where you go, that's part of this goal of why you're making this game. It might be your first game ever, and you're like, I just want to do this. I want to get this out. I want to make this. So I think that's what Zach was saying. It's that yeah, there might sure. be – yeah, there's not necessarily – not from – and what you're saying from a business standpoint, I agree with mm -hmm. Ryan. But from right. this so, standpoint, just from indie developers, it's not – you know, your goal is like what – we talked about in our scoping episode. Do you just want to make this game to see if you can do it? Great. Do that. But so, – so for sure. Well, great. So, yeah. so yeah. my question is, and I think this is maybe a question that's lingering on, and we keep saying indie developer as equating them to people who just want to get their artistic vision in, which is 99, uh, well, let me not say 99%, but it's a high percentage is maybe not the case, where they're, the case is they are wanting to make money, they are wanting to put a stamp on the industry with a game that's going to yield some kind of notoriety, um, if not for their portfolio, then for right. their pocketbooks. So well, my question is, well, here's my question. Okay, my question ahead. is, for those people who do have a project that they do want to make money, and they hit, they hit that spot where they are having to compete in a market that may be starting to get oversaturated, say a battle royale genre or, or a puzzler or anything, where they have that competition, like where do they, how do they assess, like, if my goals are intact, I, I have my design that wants to go, but then someone came out with another game, do I, like Ryan suggests, alter something to find a niche, which in, in, in the course of this conversation, that could extend the time of my game, or do I say, okay, maybe I should bite the bullet and, you know, just release what I right. have just, and get art, get right. just my art. Go ahead. Sorry. I got this. I got this. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So now we're, we've transitioned into the shit kicker financial approach to this thing. Okay, so, sorry. so the article that actually spawned. <laughs> well, I'm not even going to get this into that episode. Yet, but we'll just. I'm just saying. But this kind of is getting <laughs> yeah. there because it's like, yeah. 
you know, match three games. Yeah, everybody's in one of those, but can you maybe make some money off it? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. And I and, and I don't think the, the article, and I'll post this article. It's by, let, let, yeah, let me post this. This sounds more like Ryan the more we do this episode. This guy, he's the creator <laughs> of this game called Shadow Hand that just came out in a bunch of other games. It's Jake Briquette, and he did this kind of, he did it. It's not a GDC thing. It's like it's on his own channel but he had this quote that says don't fall into the trap of making a giant piece of art that earns you nothing except disappointment so we'll go with that attitude say fuck it we're not making art we're gonna make money right that's what we're doing so let's go from that standpoint and i think in the end when you move beyond that like zach and i talked about that first game you want to make or people are putting something out and i just want to prove this to myself at some point everybody gets here they're like yeah this is great but Let's make some, I want money. some money. Yeah, I want some. <laughs> yeah. I want some of that cheddar. So I'm hungry. <laughs> I want them quake Ferraris. Yeah. So I think this and this gets into the startup world, the Chris Saka and all those people of the world. That I think, but I think this is a real cool question to ask yourself when you're at that point. You're like, hey, I have a game kind of like this. What does that mean? They always talk about this term called "what is your unfair advantage," right? So. And this ties into everything from your team to your scope to your design to whatever. What is your and this is this comes from venture capitalists when they ask, you know, startups this when they're saying, Yeah, okay, so it's like Instagram, but it has like smells or something, you know. Okay, <laughs> that's great. It's the new Instagram. <laughs> right, Smellograms. But like what is your they what they asked with well, this Chris Saka guy who was like an early investor in Twitter, he's like a billionaire or whatever, he's like the, the question he asked people is, what is your unfair advantage? And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, what advantage, why do I need to invest in you over somebody else that has your same idea? Like, what is, what is the unfair, or maybe that's a bad, like, what is the unfair advantage of your team, of your idea, and how you're going to execute it? And if you can't answer that question, sometimes, so, like, if you go into this and, like, Radical Heights is the uh, boss key, right, and Cliffy B., yeah, the boss key PUBG. Yeah, they're going. Yeah. yeah, boss key PUBG. That's good. They're they're saying we want to put this in there. So they're saying what well, you'd ask them what their unfair advantage is. And one, I think they released the game too early. It's like really shitty looking. But Zach and I talked <laughs> about this. They have some cool mechanics in there. They have this kind of economy and stuff. And so they could answer that. There's like we have this cool economy. We want to do this. You could ask Fortnite. PUBG's out. It's amazing. PUBG. We talked. We had a whole episode about this. It took the world by storm. Right. last year and then you go Fortnite. what's your yeah this seems like a ripoff we talked about that last year you're like what's your unfair advantage and like well we have a lot of money <laughs> um we, we 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 think we can put a fun take in this and make it really fun and and we can we have so much money you know what we can make it free that's your unfair advantage yeah so so i think when you get to that point i think that unfair advantage question is actually it seems like a little extreme, but I think it's actually valuable. When you're talking about actually competing against people in a you're really hard-nosed marketplace, you go, I, I have this idea, and I think I could do good, too. I'm Google. Google went up against Alta Vista and Axe Jeeves and all these things, Yahoo at the time. Mm-hmm. But their unfair advantage is they have killer algorithms, right? And that's how they beat everybody. Mm-hmm. And minimalist, simple solutions and that's how they beat everybody and that's how they took over the world so you need to have an unfair advantage if you're competing in any kind of arena you can't just go yay this is me i can do it too me too you can't do that you have to go i i I need to have some kind of unfair advantage so and and that that answer is kind of the niche that ryan was talking about once you have that answer you kind of answer what niche you're in Uh, which may be the exact same niche it's just you know the way you're 
your take on it makes it, you know, unique. So that's almost really all you need. Yeah. So let's talk about it real quick. We're running out of time. We've gone like 50 minutes <laughs> so far tonight. <laughs> this is good. Right um, real quick to, to talk about that Jake Burkett's kind of thing that he had. He talked about if you're really financially minded and you're making indie games, he had a cool equation I just want to mention because this inspired the whole episode. I don't want to quit without doing this. Um, he talked about this is how you calculate your hourly, you just what it's worth to you. So let's say you have to kind of postulate. Say your game made $100,000 on Steam. Okay, Steam takes 35 30%, like just like Apple or Android does, anybody does, which is a lot. And say you worked as a, you know underpaid developer that year and you made $35,000 for living expenses. So then you have $30,000 of profit. If you divide that by a year, you, you made $14 an hour, right? So he talks about, it has like a 20 minute, we'll post that a 20 minute YouTube video about that. And he says, well, when you're assessing, if you actually want to make money off indie games, and he's done this for 13 years, and he has charts of all the different indie games games, indie games he's mm-hmm. made and how they've you know just the the hour ratio how much i spent on this how much it was he really has this idea and i think we do this naturally and even though as much as i talk about art zach and i talk about this we've looked at before steam spy died we looked at steam spy every day for this game we're making we're like okay so that made game made this so if we put it you know that, that's part of you know wanting to plan to make a game you want to see what the market is where your niche could be and where how you can make some money and then he, his whole point, I mean, that, that statement I made about don't make a giant piece of art that's a piece of crap. It's going to make it's going to be just disappointment. It's not as dire as he kind of sounds as just, a, you know, taking that quote out of you know context. It really means that if you want to make money and you want to do this for a living, like like Ryan said, find a niche, find something where there's an audience for something. And that's where you put your time. Don't put your time into some, you know, PUBG clone. If you're like four developers, it's not going to happen. Don't put your time into a yeah, Hearthstone clone if you're like two developers. It's not going to happen. Find something else. And also, and if you can, you have an unfair advantage, and you should be doing something. Else. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and also, this is um, like I like his take on this, but he also emphasizes this is contextual to right. him, who is a, like a single dev supporting a family of four. So he is definitely looking at this from a financial like uh, lens. You know, it's like. He's he's trying to figure out like hey yeah like his biggest profit he said which was about if he broke it down four hundred dollars an hour instead of fourteen dollars an hour was a match three clone that he just like got some decent artwork on and he reused his engine and, he iterated on from previous match three games and he found a hit you know and threw that out there and it made well, him and, much and you can't yeah so. and you have to like put on the idea that like yeah and two guys made FTL and made thirty million dollars and so. It's a, so like yeah. it, you can't put quality like I'm not saying his examples are perfect and that's why sometimes we don't have every, yeah. Like, yeah I just think that it's a good mindset to look at and go when you're planning something to go because I think a lot of times people put these things up well I didn't make anything and you look at their game you're like yeah well I don't know <laughs> it's okay I guess <laughs> like and but but I think this one is an example of like well you could say whatever you think about his games he has some data across that time. And even if it, in the context, and if you look tiny at the scale he's working at, it does kind of apply to even corporations. Go, hey, why are we spending? And that's what corporations do. They're why are we spending all this time on this thing? You know, these battle royale games are where it's at. Like we should. Well, do this. actually, yeah, no, that that's actually a great example because I heard what is it? The, uh, I, I read an article or heard that like the next, I think it's Black Ops. Like 
they're not even going to have a campaign. They like read the data and were like, "Yeah, why the yeah, hell they are we said putting like campaigns in this?" and they're like, "Right, who cares?" And they put all this money into a campaign, which I liked. I played them, but it still doesn't matter because they're like, "Fuck, eight percent, screw that. We can just put out a multiplayer and make as right. much money." That's why they do that. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's. It never hurts to take a step back and analyze the data, but yeah, you know, sometimes you lose the campaigns, though, which <laughs> yeah. I hate. So, all right, real quick, we're going to skip some of our after show activities, but we're going to do these real quick before we end. So, these are the the reasons you assess, these are the ways you assess your project, you know, and say, hey, am I falling into these traps? And at this point, you have the decision are you going to stop? Or are you going to stop? Or are you going to keep going? So I put in a couple tips. If you keep going on the positive side, we'll end with the negative, I guess, because we need to make that more positive. If you keep going, I think, one, you just need to reassess where you are, right? If you if you come to the decision like, yeah, I'm making The Witness, and it's taken seven years, but we're fine. You're like, okay, <laughs> you're fine, you know. You know, you you need to look at your schedule. If everything's fine there, you need to find again what your you guys put this in the MVP of what your minimal viable product is. I heard a um, god damn, what's the what's the what's the Bethesda guy's name? Todd Howard. Um, he had this great. I listen to him when there's this podcast now that's like the I, I'm gonna promote another podcast. It's like the Game Academy or something, whatever, and they. Um, the guy from Insomniac interviewed him, and he, he said that he had a whole thing, and I told Zach about this. He's like, I have the advice he had to game developers is like, and it's basically MVPs, like, find what emotions and things you want to provide in a player, what do you want to kind of express, and make the simplest version of that. <laughs> and, that's, and that's basically what he said. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's good advice. That's cool. So keep make sure you're on that path, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, just, you know... Set a minimum target. What does it take to get out like the core of what you're trying to do? Get it out there. Like just at least shoot because then at least you feel like you've gotten somewhere. You know, you, like if it's taken a while, but you actually hit that and say, "We think we can release this," and it, you know, we can iterate on it later. But hell, we've got something we consider our core vision. Yeah, so. and that's the main thing is like when you get is when you get to this point in a project lifespan, it's like. You know, this is the point. You made the decision. No, this is important to me. I've assessed my goals. I've assessed this, you know, whatever it is. I've assessed the goals, whether it's artistic or commerce, and I've done this thing, and this is my, you know, unfair advantage. I want to do this. This is, I, I'm going to make. The, I'm going to finish this thing. What is that? And so you're you're assessing your schedule. You're making sure you're communicating with the people you're working with. You're making, you know, or you're just, or you're going fine, and you're continuing what you're doing. But everything's going fine, and and in that. That that idea of just the MVP, I think this is the the standard of all this thing. I was this quote. I always use the design quote. I learned it from my friend Aaron, one of my previous jobs. But it's like a, it's, it's attributed to a, a bunch of people. But it's like a French writer. But it said, "A perfection is achieved not when nothing is more to add, but when there's nothing left to take away." That's the MVP idea. Mm. But I think that's not even the MVP idea. That's just the idea of anything. It's like I can't take away anything else from this. It's perfect. No, you know what I mean? And there's nothing wasted. There's there. So you just have to reassess that. Real quick, if you decide to pack it up, <laughs> you've gone through this and you're like, you know what? You guys are right. <laughs> I should quit. <laughs> A couple things, right? <laughs> the first thing is that 
nothing is wasted. Everything is a learning experience, especially in craft, right? We're in art. We're in the art world. We're in the programming world. These are crafts. So anytime you're doing things, you should be learning things. So it doesn't matter even if the load of the project didn't come out. Like, you learned something, right? You made some stuff. You learned some lessons. That's fine, right? Um, and I think I just think that the biggest thing, the failures aren't failures. They're only failures if you don't actually learn something from them, right? So try to figure out what you can learn from that and move on. And then you're great. That's what I tell my daughter, Alex, her day. You're learning when you learn, <laughs> when you fail. That's, that's the thing. But in the game development sense, the next one is the biggest one I have is that assets and code can always find new life in something, right? Because you can always use things. Because the, the biggest example I have of this is that Blizzard for forever was making the next World of Warcraft, right? They they codenamed it Titan. It's going to be Titan. It's going to be this big thing. And then they canceled it. And then a year and a half later, Overwatch came out. It's a little game called Overwatch. And basically... Yeah, Never heard of it. And basically what happened is they just cribbed all the mythology and lore and characters and everything from Overwatch and just put it into the FPS. It was an MMO RPG, but all those characters and everything were in that world. It, what was called Titan. Now it's Overwatch, and now it's like one of the biggest games in the world. So use your stuff. This is stuff you make. You can use things. Who cares? Yeah. Use your assets. Use yeah. your assets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. <laughs> craft, craft your assets in such a way that they can be reasonable. <laughs> so, yeah. And the last thing I have is here, become less results-oriented, especially if you're learning, especially if you're listening to this show, you listen to all 91 episodes of this, and you're getting into the process. You're kind of like we talked about Ryan talked about earlier with the with the programming kind of prototype, getting past analysis paralysis and just failing. Start failing, get fail, learn, get going. Stop worrying about this thing being the top of the world, and because you're gonna get there. If you if you're having fun, you're doing what you're doing. You're gonna have a success. You're gonna have fun. You're gonna be fine. So just become less results oriented. Don't worry about this one project. It has to do or die in that. Just keep going. You know, just look at it as this marathon and not, you know, sprint. So that's that's the the, the most positive thing I can have out of this stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. It was like very rainbowish at the end. Yeah, well it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> All right, we've gone too long. We're not going to take a break. We're not going to do some discussion we talked about. We're going to do that next time, I think. Um, in the meantime, uh, Zach, you want to talk about the debug lounge? Yes, the Debug Lounge is our Facebook group that's uh, semi-exclusive. Not really. Not really. If you want to join it, you can just uh, uh, request uh, access to it, and we will give you access on Facebook. Um, and that is... Uh, what's the address? It's just the Facebook Lounge. You can search... Facebook.com slash... Well, I don't know that works. Yeah, that's not so. the case. No, <laughs> yeah. Facebook.com. And just search, search for the Debug Lounge. Search, yeah, I was about to say, search for the group. Debug Lounge. <laughs> And uh, we'll see what happens with the other one. I <laughs> I'm going to try it. Uh, anyways, that's where a bunch of devs get together. They can talk about their games that are coming out. They can talk about uh, programming questions they have. They can talk about all sorts of things that they just want to go in there and talk about uh, things that they find interesting. You can. There's uh, tons and tons of people in there who are talking every day. So it's a great place to, to go and hang out. Word. Cool. cool. If you want to support what we're doing on the podcast uh, or the lounge, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash the debug log. It's the only thing that we have a link to outside of our website. 
Um, but yes, go. Uh, we have some tiers set up, which hmm, I don't know what to say with that. <laughs> we have some. I tiers. changed it. No. <laughs> yeah, you yelled no, at me last them. time. I, I you tried. So now it doesn't say we have a meetup. It says thank you if you want to do this tier. But yeah, so thank you. Yeah. So we have like an early episode thing, and then we have a ten dollar thing. We used to have a meeting, and but we can't commit to that all the time. But yes. It's fine. I, I fixed everything, so it's fine. Go look at that. See if you like it. If you don't yes. like it. Okay, yes. good. God with you. <laughs> Thanks for your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it, Leave your, your feedback at Ryan Kogler at the debug <laughs> Yeah. It'll be the first email he's gotten. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will answer. <laughs> All right. That was fun, guys. It was fun to get it back together. All right. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Curry. That's U-R-I-E. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at OBeans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. And I'm at WookieJumper42. <laughs> and I am at R.E. Kilgore. We will see you next time. Peace. Yep. Bye. How's life been, Zach? You got your new place? You loving it? Oh, beer. He's, he's getting a beer. He's got a refrigerator, so it's, you know, it's sweet. Yeah, it's up, uh, up and up. <laughs> yeah. He's doing well. He's got things <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. I just walked out there, and my dog has her head laying on a pillow with the covers over the top of it. What the spoiled-ass dog. Mm-hmm.